Thank you for your presence today. Soul searching can be an unenviable task, particularly if we are unwilling to stand before God and see ourselves as He sees us. Are we truly living for Christ? Are we bearing witness of true salvation? Or are we just going through the motions without fruit that bears true conversion? Are we dealing with our spiritual deficiencies? Are we confessing and repenting of our sins and depending on God to strengthen us? Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander imparts wisdom to us today. But let me give you, this is not a comprehensive list, list, but it's a good guide to help you uh, get into God's will. How does one discern or know God's will for his or her life? Well, here's how you do. Here's how, here's, here's how you can know. Um, pray and cry out to the Lord that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. In other words, cry out to God. God, I'm 20 years old. Listen, well, you, you 20 years old, 18 years old, and you're trying to decide what college you want to go to, what career you want to go in. Do you want to go to the military or do you do you want to be a plumber? Do you want I mean, do you want to be an astronaut? Do you want to be an engineer, an architect, whatever, teacher, lawyer or the president of the United States? How do you know unless God guides you? You say, well, what you need to do is cry out, God, I need to know your mind in my life. You know the beginning and the end. God, help me to know. Matter of fact, say no to me until you know me, N-O, know me right into your will. That's right. That's right. I mean, block every thought, every desire that's going to take me from your will. I want, if, you, if you're 20 years old, 18 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old, 70 years old, you still need to know God's will for your life because if God, since you're alive, he has purpose and direction for this season in your life. You say, where's that? Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, 9b. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge, ask, look, and to ask. So, so, you want to know God's will, but you don't even ask. That means you got to pray. And fasting and prayer is a season of, of, of crying out to God so that he will reveal to you what he will have you to do, to do and which way he will have you to go in this season of your life. The scripture says, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let me tell you something. If you want to know the will of God, here's how you can know it. Live holy and walk worthy before the Lord because sin, bad attitude, and behavior will cloud God's plan and purpose for your life. Okay, you got to live what? Y'all saying that kind of low. You got to live what? God does not bless sin. Sin will cloud the purpose and will of God for your life. You can live in such a way that you'll never know what God would have you to do because sin is impeding what God wants to do with you, with you and through you. Live holy and walk worthy before the Lord uh, because sin, bad attitude, bad behavior will cloud God's plan and purpose for your life. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10a says that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing. Your lifestyle should be fully pleasing to God. 
What we see, you look nice and dressed up. You look so holy right now. If you ever look holy, you look holy now with a Bible, a nice suit, and you've got good etiquette, good posture, and you're polite and all these things. But does that carry over into your house and on the job? Uh, or do you act one way in church and raise hell at home? You doctor, Dr. Jekyll and who else? Mr. Hyde. Yeah, you know what it is. Two different people, split personalities. Who are you? Who are you? Fully pleasing to the Lord on that job. The people are drawn to you because of your spiritual posture and because of your love toward humanity. Another way uh, one can know the will of God, God will reveal what he is calling you to do by placing an unquenchable, unquenchable passion or burning desire within you to do a particular thing he's calling you to do and nothing else will satisfy you until you do it. Ooh, I got, I got a park right there. Because I know y'all trying to write that down. And let me give it back to you again. God will reveal what he's calling you to do. By placing an unquenchable, what? Passion or burning desire within you to do a particular thing. And nothing else will satisfy you until you do it. Wow. I remember when I was, God called me to preach when I was 18. That's a whole, I wish I can just recount that right now, but time won't, uh, won't permit. I, got, I have a lot of supernatural experiences that have happened in my life that were just, I mean, I mean, I have some real testimonials and time won't let me permit. Maybe I just have a little, just a chat, just chit chat about my personal life and how God has done some miraculous things. He called me to preach when I was 18 and I pulled a Joan and I ran from God. And I'm giving you the shortcut because I didn't want to be. I thought 18. I don't be called no Reverend Draper. You know, 18 years old. I said, I haven't, I haven't gone to college. I'm young and I'm all this. I said, I, I don't want well, God. I don't, I don't want to. And I'm not going to tell you about how he called me and all that because that's a whole nother story. And we won't get through. We won't get halfway through this message. We already won't get halfway through. But but anyhow. <laughs> He put a burden and an unquenchable desire in the depths of my soul that would not go away. And I was totally miserable. I was even afraid to go to sleep because I know if I were to die, I would stand in his presence ashamed from having run from him and quenching the spirit of the living God. But the day I surrendered, way back at 27 years of age, back in 1979, when I surrendered at the Mount Hora Baptist Church, and I told the church the Lord had called me to preach his glorious gospel, the church erupted. I was so free, I was light as a feather until gravity couldn't even hold me. And now, since I'm years beyond that, and I look back on time I ran, I said, I wish to God I had 
surrendered at 18, how much farther would I've been alone? But God even used those in between years when I thought I was running to still prepare me for the ministry. And that's a whole nother story. You know, God is preparing you when you don't realize he's preparing you. You understand? But that burden wouldn't go away. It stayed there and it messed with me and I couldn't put it out. And nothing could satisfy. Money couldn't satisfy. People couldn't satisfy. Nothing until God, I surrender. I give up. (sighs) I could breathe like a ton of bricks have been lifted up off of me. And I've been preaching ever since. And listen, I wouldn't want to do anything else but what I'm doing now because I'm in God's perfect will and plan because I'm in his calling. My friend, are you operating in the calling and perfect will of God? Are you still meandering around in uncertainty at this season of your life? Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 says, then I said, I will not make mention of him. That's Jeremiah talking about what he he ain't going to (laughs) do. Nor speak anymore in his name. (laughs) Yeah, Jeremiah. But, look at that but, that's a contrast. His word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding back. In other words, I was weary. I was frustrated trying to hold back on what God has called called me to do. I was weary of holding back and I could not. I could not. And and Jeremiah ended up doing the very thing that he said he wouldn't do. I said in Bible study, if y'all miss me teaching Revelation uh, this past Wednesday, you missed a lot. And one of the statements I made last Wednesday is stop telling folk what you're not going to do. God has a way of making you eat your word like he did Jeremiah. That's right. I'm not going to help my child anymore. That's enough. And then you end up going, helping them right on. Why you love them? Because you love them. You're just trying to help them along. I mean, stop saying what you're not going to do. And, and, and maybe you ought to say, I pray that this doesn't have to be done again. You know, in a, in a nice way. And don't be folk up as you're helping them, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's another sermon for another time. That'll be family day. So, so, so it was like fire. Shut up. It was shut up in his bones. Jeremiah. And he was trying to hold back, but he couldn't. Jeremiah was all messed up. All, all frustrated. Uh, because that fire was so in him, that calling was so upon him until when he was holding back, he was killing himself until he surrendered. Tell you something else about God's will. God may choose to use godly, spiritually mature saints to identify gifts you may not have discovered or realized that you possess. God may choose to use wise, godly, spiritually mature saints to identify gifts you may have that you may not have discovered or realized that you possess. Sometimes people will see in you what you don't see in yourself. And God will speak through a person to say what, what, to name your giftedness only for you to find out that it was true. You know, when you walk, that's why you need to walk with godly people, spiritually mature people, because they'll say some things about you that you need to hear. And, 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 God, and, God, and God will challenge them. God will 
move them. And yeah, I never will forget. I, oh, God's giving me all these stories today. But y'all like them. That's why you get quiet. <laughs> I never will forget. I was, I was a single man at Mount Horror Baptist Church. I was in my wife's Sunday school class. And I guess I had more than the Sunday school lesson on my mind. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, it was during the Sunday school review. And we were all sitting there. And I just ha- happened, God orchestrated my sitting next to her. And, um, and my pastor in Houston, uh, he just looked out there and he looked so strange at us as he was sitting in the pulpit, get ready to give an overview of the Sunday school lesson. So after Sunday school, Sunday school time was over with, he said, Randa. I said, what? He said, that girl you're sitting by, Darlene? He said, yeah. He said, that's who you should be with. And I, I, looked, I, said, I looked at her and I said, oh. <laughs> I wasted no time. I took her to a Labor Day luncheon, barbecue, and you know the rest of the story. We, we, we dated for about six weeks. You say six, eight weeks? It wasn't long. She said, stop. These folks had five-year romances. And you five years, five years yourself into trouble. I'm still, we're going to date for five years and you're having all kind of issues and you sex out of wedlock and all that stuff. Stop. This. Some of y'all, you're messing around and having sex out of wedlock, waiting on a big wedding while you're sending on the way to it. <laughs> have something small that you can afford and then have something big later in holiness. Now that's, I don't know how I got way over there, but somebody, somebody needed that. <laughs> God help me. We didn't have a big wedding while she was coming down this long gown and all that. And I wasn't depriving her. You say, you cheap rascal. No, we just didn't want it. We, don't, we, put, we put the money in the marriage. And some of y'all put $10,000, $20,000 in big old high statute cakes, long dresses, entourage, wrap long limousine that you know, a mile long. And then stay married three months. <laughs> Listen, you have to live after that ceremony. I'm helping somebody in here. And yet, the 26th of this month, we will have been married 35 years to the glory of God. Amen. And then, and yet some of y'all, uh, y'all afraid to bring your, your girlfriend or boyfriend, somebody you're dating, you're getting serious about, you, you're afraid to bring them to church. Or you're ashamed to bring them to church. You come around, and all of a sudden, your, name, your last name is changed, ladies. We don't know nothing. Bring the person that you're thinking about hooking up with for the balance of your days. Bring them to church. Let us look at them, scrutinize them, and smell them. That's right. Pastor, here he is. Yeah, bring him to Sunday school. If he won't go to Sunday school with you now, he's not coming to Bible study now. He won't even go to a picnic, no gala. Listen, you can't say that, rascal. That's right. If it's not in him before... Who told you you're going to be the Holy Spirit to save him? That's the work of the Holy Ghost. He may be a pagan, the balance of his days. A whole lot of y'all wish y'all had brought 
the man or woman y'all were thinking about to the Lord's house to be checked out. You wouldn't be in the mess you were in or are in. Now, none of this is written in the paper, but God just. <laughs> oh, God, help me preach this message. So, so all I'm saying is that God may choose to use godly, spiritually mature saints to identify gifts you may not have discovered or realized that you possess. Next, how do you know and discern the will of God? Meditating on God's words will increase your spiritual discernment. Meditating on God's word will increase your spiritual discernment, provide stability. That's right. It will increase your spiritual discernment, your, your ability to, that is the ability to discriminate right from wrong, truth from error, and all these things. Provide stability. Because if you're unstable, you cannot know the word of God if you're in confusion and unstable. You know what? When you increase your time meditating on God's word, it removes doubt. Well, you, you'll stop doubting God and his word when you meditate in his word. You, it, meditating on the word of God increase your faith. And here's what it does. If you want to be in the will of God, not only will meditating on the word of God increase your faith, Meditating on the inspired, infallible, sufficient word of God will also give you the mind of Christ in all life decisions. It will give you the mind of Christ. Stay in this book as much as you can. Because this book will give you the mind of Christ to tell you what you ought to do, when you ought to do, how you ought to do it. And he will begin to speak God ideas into your life as you are meditating on the authoritative word of God. Okay. Psalms 119, 97 through 100 says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your Precepts. See, the word of God will help you to discover the will of God to the glory of God. How do you know? How can you know one's will, God's will for your life? When we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, when we're under the Holy Spirit's influence, he will sift our lives of worldly, worldly residue. The Holy Spirit, when we are under his influence, he's the third person in the Godhead and is as much God as God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a he. He's a person, the third person. And and we are saved and regenerated by the Spirit of Almighty God. And when we allow him to control our lives, the Holy Spirit himself will sift our lives of worldly residue, which impedes our ability to know his will and will guide our lives into his perfect will. As you walk in the spirit of God, allowing him to set the agenda for your life, he will carry you along in such a way that he will put you right into 
God's perfect will. Here's another thing we need to consider about the will of God. I'm trying to help you know and discern the will of God. Is this helping you? Listen, my friend, God may use circumstances beyond your control to guide you into his will. Sometimes he does that. I got stories about that. Oh, do I have stories about that? But I won't share that. Let me give you a biblical account this time. I've been giving you personal stories, uh, testimonials, but let me give you a biblical one. God may use circumstances beyond your control to guide you into his will. If you look at Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, oh, there are so many biblical um, illustrations that I can't go through them all now. But I will do this particular one. Uh, Acts 9, 1 through 6, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he, so if he found any who were of the way, that's the believers, whether men or women, in other words, uh, they, you know, it was equal rights there, equal, you know, equality. <laughs> he didn't care if you were a believer. A man or woman, you will suffer. He might bring them bound, chained to Jerusalem. So he had one thing in mind, but God had something else in mind. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The believers who are children of God, God takes such ownership of his children. He said, what you're doing to the children, you're doing to me. So he didn't say the children of God. He said, why are you persecuting me? (laughs) I am Jesus. In other words, when God wants to get hold to you, he don't leave you wondering as to who's doing the chastening. He said, I am Jesus. In other words, you ever said to your child, I'm your mama. I bought you in this world and I'll take you out. Don't you mess with me right now. I'm not, don't you, you you know what I do to you, you know, now you get, you get sent to CPS. I always tell people, you know, if you got to spank, I believe in spanking, by the way. Don't you let these folk educate spanking out of you. When they get too, too big for spanking, uh, take the car keys. That's right. Take, take the phone. That'll make them, that'll make them behave. Take the phone. That's right. Take the gadgets. That's right. That's right. Put them, put them on, put them under lock and key. <laughs> but, but let me go on now. So persecute me. And he said, who, 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 who you, Lord? Who you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. <laughs> Surprise. Whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord. What do you want me to do? Wow. Hey, that's how you know the will of God. That's how you know the will of God. Underline that. Underline it. Lord, what do you want me to do? What a question. Because God knows what he wants you to do. And during these 40 days of fasting and prayer, why don't you put at the top of your prayer list, asking God a question, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. God didn't leave him wavering or wondering. 
Uh, Saul had one intent in mind. God overruled a range of circumstances. He was going to persecute the church, to bound them and to, 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 to chain them. And God lassoed him, uh, knocked him off the beast, blinded him, saved him and made a missionary out of him. Divine intervention. God, God changed his circumstances. God orchestrated rather his circumstances beyond, which were beyond his control, uh, uh, right into uh, the will of Almighty God. And I'm saying to you today, God may use, uh, God may use circumstances beyond your control to guide you into His perfect will. Sometimes God relocates you. Sometimes God. Uh, does things with your job and, and sometimes it was, sometimes even with your health, sometimes with your children, all kinds of, kinds of things. And he orchestrate. And when all is said and done, you say, hindsight, you say, look what God has done. Because I wouldn't be where I am now if God had not ordered this set of circumstances for this season in my life. You see, my friends, here's, here's another uh, insight we need to discover about the will of God. When we are in God's will, our lives will be fully pleasing to Jesus. Rich, productive, and fruitful to the glory of God. When we are in God's will, our lives will be fully pleasing to to him. Rich, productive, fruitful to the glory of God. Let me tell you, a rich life, a fruitful life, a productive life is one that is in the center of the will of God. Colossians 1.10b says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. As confessed believers in the only true and living God, we miss out on countless blessings due to our lack of faithfulness, obedience, and service. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everything we need is at our disposal. When will we trust God enough to believe and depend on His Word? If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.